We are back with episode 8 of the Phases of the Moon Knight podcast. As always, each week we will read a stack of classic Moon Knight comics, then get together and talk about characters, villains, and stories with an eye towards how these stories may connect to the Disney Plus Moon Knight show that is set to debut on March 30th. We'll also be discussing comic history, comic reading, and other Moon Knight-related news. And there is some news to talk about this week. I am really excited. This week, we're going to spend some time talking about the Empire Magazine feature on, on Moon Knight that we talked about last week. There was a Super Bowl TV spot that ran. We'll talk about that. And we'll roll through the middle issues of Mark Spector Moon Knight. We'll find out what really happened in Boisca Verde. I have no idea if I'm pronouncing that right. All those years ago, as, as well as see the return of Stained Glass Scarlet, and we are treated to a ridiculous, ridiculous number of guest stars in these in these books. My name is Dwayne, and with me as always is my good buddy Dan. Dan, welcome. Hey, Dwayne. Looking forward to this. It's going to be a lot of fun. It's kind of a disaster of a week, but sometimes those are entertaining too, right? So. The, the books were a little interesting, but we do have some, some fun Moon Knight news that we can talk about, uh, so we don't have to jump into the 90s books just yet. Let's, let's start with the, uh, the, the Empire Magazine. Uh, I tried to get a physical copy of this, I think you did as well, and neither of us, we both struck out. But you did end up getting a copy of it, correct? Yeah, I've got a digital copy. They've actually got a really nice app that I was able to download on my iPad. And there's a free subscription you can get for like a one-month subscription, which is what I'm using right now. Otherwise, you can buy the issue straight out if you want to keep it, etc. I'm still going to want to try and get a physical copy of the subscription issue that's got the Sienkiewicz cover because that's beautiful. Yeah. But I think what I found primarily is that the American magazine industry is a lot <laughs> yeah. different than when I last went out and looked for stuff. That we used to in Fargo, which is where I'm located, have a couple of stores that were sort of like one was called FM News, primarily a magazine store and, and had things like that, periodicals. They don't exist anymore. And when I went to, to Barnes and Noble which is where normally I would look for magazines now. They evidently only get them on an infrequent basis, and they do have Empire Magazine, but even though it was supposed to be out already, they haven't, even now I checked late in the week, they still didn't have it. So I, I had a rude awakening to the world of modern magazines when I went out to try and find a physical copy of this. Yeah, my Barnes and the... We, so the closest Barnes and Noble to me after going to a couple different like targets and CVS and I was trying everywhere that I could think of to try and get a copy of this went to Barnes and Noble and they said that they likely had it, but it was in the back and that, uh, switching out magazines was quote unquote, a low priority to them. That, that was not where they went, where they make their money. So that is not something. So they said, it's going to be at least another week or two before it would actually make it out onto the shelf for me to get it so yeah i i guess i assumed that you know when they're like on the newsstands on the 17th that it would be no problem i could just go pretty much anywhere uh especially someplace like barnes and noble and would be able to get it but that turned out not to be the case uh, not at all but the good news is got a copy uh, yes I had a chance to read through it and 
Um, first off, Empire is actually a pretty cool magazine for geeks. I had never picked one up before or read through one, but it's got a lot of sort of the my fav- all my favorite parts of Entertainment Weekly are kind of in here. It mostly has got information on sci-fi and comic-related movies and, and media and stuff like that. So the article, though, actually had quite a few nice things in it. A lot of it has been spoiled onto the Internet. So most of the photos that were in it, you can actually go out on Twitter or go out, just do a search and, and find. But there's a lot of interesting stuff. What I think I liked most about it was that the interviews that they had with the creators showed that you've got a lot of people who have a history of kind of reading and enjoying comics. Uh, One of the directors um, actually is somebody who, when he was younger, uh, sort of ran a a comic book lending library for other kids. Um, Oh, really? And and so, you know... it's, it's interesting because they also talked a little bit about how what they wanted to do and the pitch they had for it was to actually de-Bruce Wayneify the character. And I think that's interesting because we can see that already in the trailers, right? That he's oh, yeah. not this does not a billionaire feel like, playboy. Yeah, this does not feel like Batman, any of the Batmans we've seen. Yep, and that's, that's a conscious choice, which I think was a good conscious choice because that mm. whole sort of nonsense that's been going around for for decades of marvel's batman sort of thing never really made sense and they're just making sure that they clear that away what's also interesting is they talked about how one of the things they wanted to bring into it is more of a focus on sort of the egyptian mythology and almost having an an indiana jones vibe to the story and i think that's really interesting to you know, since it is a Disney show, that that would be one way to sort of get more of that adventure into the uh, into the show and might give us a little bit of a direction on how some of this is going to work. It's a it's a real good article. If you if you have a chance to read it, I would I would recommend it. Sounds like the app is probably the way to go, at least in the short term. If you uh, if you don't have the if you have similar success as we did trying to get the physical copy. Uh, I did see something online saying something about the fact that Oscar Isaac was saying that he that he hoped that this wouldn't be the only time he gets to play Moon Knight or that there's a there, there's a chance that he'll get to play Moon Knight again in the MCU after this limited series. I don't know if you uh, saw that particular comment or, or know what they're referring to. Well, yeah, he's he's like you know people people will have to watch it first, but I okay. I don't know that that's going to be a real big problem. I think that there's a lot more interest in this than maybe they thought there was. That the the buzz on it's been really good, but because it is a really obscure character and they're trying something different, I think there is kind of probably that that sort of you know going without a net feel. Probably similar to what the folks who made Wandavision felt when they were making that a year or two ago, right? That it's something strange enough that really you're just hoping that it's going to catch on with people. And so we'll see. Uh, There's a few hardcore folks we know are going to be watching, and then the question is, how does it do with with everyone else? But I'm really encouraged by everything I've seen. I think that it looks to me like this is going to be something that's really well-crafted. 
Well, they set their sights on the group of people that aren't the hardcore fans by releasing a new a new ish sort of trailer during the Super Bowl, a 30 second spot. Uh, definitely a lot of the images and some of the voiceover that we've heard from the original trailer uh, way back in, in, in January. Uh, there was some new new things that we saw in there, some some additional shots of him fighting. I, for one, really liked there was this shot near the end of the, the spot where he's kind of gliding down and the cape is in full, full kind of uh, mm-hmm. on full display, I guess would be the best way of putting it. And, and then you see the crescent arrow coming back to his hand or crescent dart coming back to his hand right at the end of the end of the commercial. Uh, you saw I'm assuming you saw it. Uh, oh yes, there absolutely. Was, there, there wasn't, there was, there wasn't a lot new, but anything jump out to you that, that that maybe we didn't see before or something of interest? You know, there were a few shots that just had some new scenes and things like that. But really, to me, the main part about it is that Marvel is confident enough in this that they're spending money in a Super Bowl spot. You know, they sure. they could have yeah, those easily just cheap. gone with one and gone with the the Doctor Strange spot. And obviously that was the big one with all of the big reveals and everything else. But the fact that they still took time to sort of promote the Moon Knight show on this biggest stage, I think is, is yet another sign that they're confident they've got something here. So, Very cool. Uh, we did get uh, some information about the show, specifically uh, somebody who's going to be doing some voiceover work, it sounds like. Evidently, yeah. So F. Murray Abraham is going to be Khonshu, the voice of Khonshu in this, which if anybody has not been watching Mythic Quest the last few years. On, <laughs> on, on, I, I have, actually. And oh, that show is, is a little eh, but but he's, no, he, he's, he's pretty good in it. Yeah, he's, he's really good in that. And of course, he's been around for years, you know, all the way back to Amadeus and the likes. He's a a very experienced actor, really a nice get to to bring into the show. And then we've also found out uh, the names of a few other people who are going to be in the show and little information about them. Um, May Kalamwe is going to play somebody named Layla in the show. There is no Layla in Moon Knight mythology that I know of. I even went out and looked a little bit to try and verify that. Uh, just to make sure I didn't miss anything. There's a few characters who've been, like there was a Lila that was in the Society um, Sadiqs or whatever uh, storyline from a while ago. Could potentially be played in there, but that's a deep cut, so I don't know. Some people are saying it could be a mutant named Lila Miller, who they haven't really brought mutants back in yet. They're working on that now, so I don't know that that would be something they do, but it's certainly possible. Uh, there's not a lot of Layla's in the Marvel Universe, but we've started to get some some of the names of other people rolling through, so we'll get more information about that as we go along here. So it is interesting, though, that yeah, every, every once in a while there's just another little 
stream of information. Never too much, <laughs> but a little bit just to kind of keep uh, keep it in the front of people's minds. Keep people interested and, and remind you, yep. oh, hey, there's this show coming out in March, and, and you're still interested in this. So. Yep. Marvel has it down to a science at this point. Apparently so. Uh, is there some news on the on the comic front with regards to Moon Knight? So really the main thing I wanted to just note is that if you're enjoying kind of going back to the history of Moon Knight and you're looking forward to the show, it's a real good time to look at actually getting into current Moon Knight comics. Because the current books uh, by Jed McKay and Alessandro Capuccio are spectacular. Really interesting stories, the art's great, and they're dealing with a lot of these characters that we've been talking about. Stained Glass Scarlet, and they're coming into it from a different direction. But I don't think that if you've listened to this many episodes, you're going to be at all confused by what's going on in the new stuff if you're not already reading it. And it really is a a good time to be a Moon Knight fan in the comics. Also, uh, they just had the solicits for the second issue of the Black, White, and Blood, as well as Moon Knight 11. And so Moon Knight 11, Moon Knight's going to be facing off against Zodiac, uh, a familiar name with new twists on it uh, that we saw. If you remember way back in the Defenders issues, they actually faced off against Zodiac in that wacky, um, not the same, but as again, we're, we're returning to the same <laughs> character names and the like. Sure. There's their similarities. Um, and then in the Black, White, and Blood, there's a number of people, including... Uh, David Popose, who I've really been enjoying a lot of his independent stuff, uh, including he did a Spencer and Locke, which is essentially what if Kelvin and Hobbes grew up and turned into a detective and it was really sort of crazy and bloody. So it's a very odd thing. But he's he started working for Marvel now and is going to be doing a story in Black, White, and Blood, as well as a number of other uh, really good folks. So... Those two are going to be coming out probably in May. And yeah, if you're looking for comics, stop out and, and try those. All right. We're, we're going to talk a little bit. I, I went out looking for comics this weekend. Yay. Uh, and, and so we'll, we'll talk a little bit about that later. But why don't we jump into this week's stack? Do, do we really have to? So <laughs> we do. That's that's why we're here. That's why I read these books. All right, fine. So I the books we're talking about this week are Mark Spectre Moon Knight, numbers twenty-two through forty. So we got nineteen issues. The sort of gritty aesthetic that came in through Dark Knight Returns and Watchmen and the killing joke in the mid to late eighties has now taken full hold of the industry. There is a lot more sort of like grim and gritty violence and the like in these books. And I think you'll find that the body count is far beyond anything we've previously experienced in Moon Knight. Previously we had sort of, you know, people dying in sort of almost boutique ways, right? Where there'd be one or two people who would die and it would serve the story. But now we've got the Punisher and it just kind of goes crazy. Um... So, in this, there's going to be approximately five or six different story arcs. And so we'll take a look at them, as usual, as story arcs. 
And the first one is a three-issue arc from Moon Knight number 22 to 24. What happens here, Moon Knight is heading back to the Empire Mall, looking for information on the whereabouts of Jeff Wilde after they'd broken up the, the Secret Empire's uh, plans there uh, in the last issues. While he's there, he finds information on a white supremacist group uh, and finds out that his old Merc buddy, Bo Olson, was in New York and is somehow connected to that group. So with the help of Frenchie and Marlene, Moon Knight stakes out their hideout. Marlene, of course, gets noticed while she's staking it out, gets captured and thrown into a maze-like fighting pit where a motorcycle-riding nutjob called Chainsaw wanders around uh, with a chainsaw arm, uh, essentially, yeah, that's just a clever name. That actually is it's, it's just very literal. Yeah, very yeah. literal. Uh, Moon Knight at that point, instead of watching, uh, even though they are kind of outnumbered by the people down there, he has to bust in, tries to save Marlene, ends up being Bo Olson that actually takes out Chainsaw and saves both of them. They then escape. Moon Knight finds out from him that essentially Olson was just staking out that gang, trying to essentially make amends for some of the things he's been doing as well. Right. He gives him information on how he can find this Raposa that he's promised to bring back to justice. Uh, Raposa now is a major drug dealer, and Moon Knight goes down. Somehow or another creates a gang war between two of the drug lords because Raposa finds out something and attacks there. Uh, Moon Knight then takes him into custody, uh, Olsen gets him the time to get away and dies in the process. And then Moon Knight turns over the previous dictator to the Boscoverde authorities and fulfills his promises that he'd made while being given the pardon back during the trial of Mark Spector. So also during this, we do see cutaway images where Jeff Wilde is being transformed sort of into a killing machine. They're nursing him back to health. And then they take him into the operating room and they replace parts of his body, essentially cutting off his arms and legs, giving him a metal skeleton, that sort of thing. Um, kind of kind of Terminator-esque sort of yeah. thing. So. This, the, the, this was actually a fairly, a fairly good story and a nice kind of callback to that trial of Mark Spector. And, and I, the, uh, I, 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 wasn't necessarily expecting the arc to kind of go that way, but it ended up going that way pretty quickly, and it, and it made sense, and and it was it was actually one of the better story arcs, if not the best story arc in this set of books. I I really liked it. the The chainsaw character was a bit over the top, but mm -hmm. as, as 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 it sounds, that's kind of the thing back when this was was released. Um, yeah, we get more specifics uh, from from Bo Olson about about the the setup and and that sort of thing because Bo Bo Olson was the mercenary in the room with Mark Spector when he assassinated the 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 head of Blasca Verde back then and and I what it sounded like was that that guy was not as good a guy as he was being made out to be in, during the trial of Mark Spector as well, that he was on the take and, and all this. And so mm -hmm. uh, not that he necessarily deserved to be assassinated, but there you go. Yep. But, but it was, I liked the story. I think this was a really good story. The, the Jeff Wilde part of it, I I'm, I'm assuming that, that this is just set up to a storyline yeah, down just, the road. That we're just stay tuned on that one. 
yeah, we're 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 just keeping you keeping you apprised that there was there there was some yep. movement in that, and that was kind of the whole impetus for this story to begin with, right? That yep. he goes to the mall to try and get whereabouts, yep. and yes, he, we haven't forgotten about him. He's he actually does exist. So, yep. So in in many ways, this actually if. I'm trying to keep the number of books you have to read in a single week reasonable. But if we if we'd done it really as a phase of the Moon Knight, probably issues one through twenty-four would have been a single phase. Sure. Because that's the essentially the Dixon run that leads this off. And then starting with twenty-five, we get a couple of different people coming in. Uh, first Howard Mackey takes over and then JM DeMattius after that has a big run, uh, kind of finishing out for the most part the the Mark Spector series. So this really is kind of winding down, changing from one writer to another, and then twenty five we end off uh and, and kind of head off in different directions. So is there anything more on on this before we move on to, to book twenty five? Yeah, just wanted to uh take a moment to send a shout out to Howard Duckpod who sent us a couple of notes on Twitter talking about the Trek Dixon run and how we helped him to still see a little bit of, uh, of what he used to enjoy in those back in the day. Um, I know that some of the more controversial comics creators sometimes make it a little difficult for you to still appreciate the, the work that you liked back in the day once you've learned more about them. But that's something that we just kind of have to deal with these days. I've got uh, you know, Orson Scott Card wrote Ender's Game, which was one of my favorite books growing up and now i have a different view on that book i don't want to but so in any case we are almost at the end uh, this is the end of chuck dixon's run as far as the regular writer he will do i think one fill-in story and then he's off moon Knight, and we will not see him anymore let's move on to moon Knight 25 it was a supersized single story issue featuring ghost rider I'm not real familiar with that character, so you'll have to bring me up to speed on him. Uh, Moon Knight confronts some terrorists uh, at the Statue of Liberty that are dressed not dissimilarly to how he is dressed, you know, with his outfit and whatnot. And speaking about Khonshu, uh, he, while there, gets an assist from Ghost Rider in taking them out. While he's interrogating one, Moon Knight finds out there's going to be another attack that's planned uh, during a benefit for the homeless at Grand Central Station, which of course happens to be where Marlene is at. Uh, she just seems to be in a lightning rod for, for bad things happening. So before Moon Knight can get there, uh, this mutant named Plasma and her Kanshu disciples take control of Grand Central Station terminal and start planting bombs throughout the station ghost rider reappears and kind of goes while while moon knight's stealthily going in uh ghost rider just kind of goes right through the front door and, and confronts plasma who apparently destroys him sort of with her mutant powers just kind of like zaps him and he just yeah. sort of disintegrates and then uh, he comes back and then he comes back, yeah. Moon Knight, uh, our, yeah. Pla so she then tries to escape while, um, a after this confrontation. 
and via a subway car and Moon Knight follows, gives chase, Ghost Rider reappears and like helps Moon Knight get onto this subway car that, that Plasma's on. He defeats pretty much all the, the Moon Knight henchmen or the yeah, the Knights of the Moon henchmen and then jumps off the car because the the train track's coming to an end and he gets off subway car hits the wall at the end of the train line presumably killing plasma and they go back disarm all the bombs and everyone except for one hostage ends up being safe through all that so it was it was it was quite the story and and it and a a long story because it was like a a 40 page 40 page super super size story yeah, and I mean, really, there's not much to say about it. What this was was your standard crossovers from the the time. They wanted to get a lot of their characters into different books, do these cross sales and the like. And Ghost Rider is a character that's been sort of popular for a long time. A sort of again a a low level popular, very similar really to Moon Knight in that. Been around for a long time. Started in the '70s, much like Moon. Moon Knight did. Uh, he already has had his star turn, though, of course, because in 2007, he actually got his own movie with Nicolas Cage, and then, and then there was even a sequel, even though it was not successful the first time. They came through and tried again. So those are something that's brought that character up a little bit in public consciousness. And then also, he appeared as a character on Agents of S.H.I.E.L.D. during, oh. I think, its last season or last two seasons. So this is actually a character that has been around, and so it is possible that at some point he could be uh, brought in because he's also sort of a vengeance spirit sort of character. He does get linked to Moon Knight a lot because they've got sort of a, a similar kind of place that they serve in terms of the way they fight crime and their outlook on things. I didn't think this was a particularly good story. I mean, as far as, like, it definitely felt weak compared to the the previous three book arc and just some of the other ones that we've seen it just i i was not expecting to suddenly start seeing these random goons that are this knights of the moon that are like preaching conchu stuff and it that that just felt weird to me i guess it's like how much of that do you want to have well and what's most weird about it is this has all the hallmarks of a fill-in story and yet it comes back later and is yeah. reused. Because at the time, it's, you know, this is the only story we have here, at least, by Mackie. So this is basically just a, a fill-in. They needed something for after Dixon left. Maybe he left to go to something relatively suddenly. They didn't get a regular writer on yet, so they needed a fill-in story. They dropped in the Ghost Rider uh, story, and then we move on to the next one, which is... Okay. Wow. So... We've, we've read a number of stories with stained glass Scarlet in them. And they've been some of our favorite stories. Right? Yes. They have in the past used this character very effectively. Which makes Moon Knight 26 to 30 all the more perplexing. So this is a massive multi-part story. I believe, in fact, it's the largest Moon Knight, day, uh, Moon Knight story to date at this part. Or at this point, because it is five issues each of them 30 pages of story and art. So it's 150 pages, plus we're going to see an epilogue to it. 
And unfortunately, it is kind of a mess because what it is is a story of stained glass Scarlet returning with sort of this group of women she's assembled around her as almost a little cult. She's now stalking the city, injuring people, hunting people who are related to or, or associates of Moon Knight, like Gina and Crawley or eventually Frenchie. And in the process, essentially destroying the city, setting things on fire all over the place in an attempt to get Moon Knight's attention. During all of this, Moon Knight and Scarlet somehow develop this weird psychic connection and he can kind of hear what she's thinking and she knows about him. After she shoots Frenchie, uh, she then lures Moon Knight up to the top of a, a, a big suspension bridge in New York and they kiss and then she stabs him in the back while they're kissing. At which point he's in the hospital and she goes through a like a flashback scene where we see that she was abused by her father as a child and ended up killing him to get away by setting their house on fire. She now has decided that she wants to extend sort of her reign of terror a little bit to burn down the entire city because everyone sort of deserves it. Uh, Moon Knight has to pick himself up out of his hospital bed, even though he's been stabbed, go out, find her, stop her, and when he does, they're again on a bridge, and she breaks away, falls into the water. Moon Knight jumps in after her, but he can't find her. Note we never see a body, which should be your first indication that probably this isn't the last we're going to see of Scarlet. But it was a very long story. It was very confusing, and I don't know it was a great start for GM Dematius and Ron Garney. Yeah, I I mean the some of the art in these books was really interesting looking and I found myself just kind of looking at it a little bit. But to me the story was almost incomprehensible. I just did not understand what was going on or why and and like there was you basically had dual narration where you had like some panels were being narrated by Stainless Scarlet. Some were being narrated by Mark Spector, a.k.a. Moon Knight. Some they were both doing, and, and you could only tell the difference between, between the, the, the color of the box and the font of the words as to basically who it was that was who you were getting information from. And it just... It did not make any sense to me whatsoever. And and like as a character that I really liked, given the first few times that we've seen seen her, th this really was difficult to read. Like I, it was one of those things where it's like, I'm not excited about the next time I see Stained Glass Scarlet anymore. There you go. It, it gets better. But main thing I would say, we do get some backstory for Scarlet and a little bit of her origin. Mm -hmm. And the Bill Sienkiewicz covers for these are spectacular. And really that's all we need to say. Perhaps yeah. we just move on and just agree that these happened and call it good. Um, sure. Which all, makes it all the more interesting to me that somewhat astonishingly the epilogue to this, same artist, same writer, and this was actually called the Scarlet Redemption storyline, but the the epilogue to this is actually really excellent, in my opinion. It's very similar, actually, to an issue of the Hulk way back in the day where Moon Knight 
after Marlene had been injured uh, by his brother, Randall, who was wielding an axe, um, she went into surgery and there wasn't anything he could do, so he just wandered out into the city and sort of randomly tried to help people and had kind of just this this night of, of wandering about the city. 31 was kind of the same thing, only he's more successful. He goes out and he finds a bunch of people who are committing crimes, doing things they shouldn't, and instead of just taking him in or punching him, he decides that this time he's just going to try and say, you know, you should change your ways. And he's starting to give people second chances. And that comes out of his experience with Scarlet somehow in 26 to 30. But it's really mm-hmm. only expressed well when we see it in 31. Right. Um, at the end, Spectre kind of realizes that it's not all about vengeance, more about finding ways to turn people away from crime and redeem themselves, sort of the way he himself is trying to, to gain that redemption. So Yeah, th- this definitely did have a lot of that same sort of feel. That first one, it was like every time he tried to help, it, it ended up kind of going backwards or sideways for him. Yep. Uh, it, during that initial Hulk episode, this definitely felt better. And, and like you understood what was going on and the motivations, and, and it did. It did sort of feel like it was more better articulated what was going on in this issue than in any of the five issues leading up to this. I did find it interesting that at one point we see Marlene flying the copter. Yes. Is there is there anything Marlene can't do? Nope. The uh, supporting characters in comic books are astonishingly capable at all sorts of things. <laughs> they they can all do pretty much anything in a pinch. So there we go. Well, let's let's move on uh, to thirty two and thirty three. This was uh, after the Scarlet Redemption arc. We go back to a more conventional story, as Moon Knight teams up with Spider Man to try and stop Hobgoblin from killing other mercenaries who all just happen to be in New York. We find out that Hobgoblin was originally Jason Mackendale, who apparently Spectre and Frenchie knew from back in their mercenary days. Mackendale appears to be unable to control this Hobgoblin persona, and he asks Moon Knight for help while they're fighting at the Spectre's, at Spectre's mansion. Moon Knight tries to convince Mackendale to fight this hobgoblin persona that he has control. He should he should just uh, you know fight it and and um, that that way they can deal with it. Marlene then arrives uh, outside with where all this is happening and ends up being hurt by a pumpkin bomb thrown by Hobgoblin, which sets off Moon Knight, who chases after Hobgoblin, ends up uh, reaching him. And just starts beating on him until Spider-Man can can swoop in and stop him before uh, something really bad happens. And so that that's basically thirty-two and thirty-three. This was this this was a solidly good story. And and after frankly twenty-six to thirty, I am much happier going back to the more conventional story like we've been seeing. This 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 is this this was good, but. Why, why was the black Spider-Man suit such a big deal? I mean, they, they promoted it on the cover. They, made, they took several panels within the book to talk about it as well. So when it first came out, the black, Spider, the black Spider-Man costume came out of, like, Secret Wars. It, 
basically, though, for a while, Spider-Man would use one or the other. The problem with the black costume, of course, is that it's actually the symbiote that eventually becomes Venom. So the black costume is actually sort of a, a living thing in and of itself. And Spider-Man doesn't realize that for a while. Okay. But, yeah, they... They definitely played that up for a while. It was a it was a collector thing, etc. So getting him into as many co- uh, books with that because really the Spider-Man costume had not changed since the early 1960s until the black costume came along. Okay. And so, um, and that's it's got its own whole history. You also uh, you see that with Eddie Brock and the like in some of the the Spider-Man movies. Uh, at least one of them has Venom in it. And then, of course, the Venom movies themselves. Now, sure. it's kind of gone to that. That's that's where that all came from. I also find it interesting, you know, really when you when you look at some of the choices they've made for characters in this run now, they really are doing an interesting job of sort of riffing on Mark Spector's past because the Hobgoblin is really very similar to Mark Spector. Okay. They always say that, you know, everybody else is like Mark Spector, only they were worse or whatever. But Masondale, he was a Marine who then turned into a CIA agent, who then turned into a mercenary. And the big difference is he was crazy. And eventually he found a way to essentially break into hell to make a deal with a demon to give him the power to do whatever it was he wanted to do at the time. I can't remember. So because he he amused the demon, he essentially had him possessed with this, it's essentially called a demigoblin. And so he's very similar to Moon Knight in that Moon Knight for a while had Khonshu kind of talking to him and, and that sort of thing. If you imagine a more powerful, more evil, crazier version of Khonshu, inhabiting a mercenary okay. and sending him out to take vengeance on people, you sure. would get the Hobgoblin. Because right. he started out as the Jack-O-Lantern, which was, or, no, Jack-O-Lantern? Yeah. Um, which was a character who didn't really hence have the, the powers and the stuff like that. Hence, hence the pumpkin bomb. Hence the pumpkin bombs and all of that. Yeah. And he, he got a lot of those um, sort of from Green Goblin. So he's he's got a legacy within the Marvel Universe. But... Yeah, very different character, but I think it's interesting that, you know, you get Punisher, you get Hobgoblin, you get Ghost Rider, and they're all kind of coming at this. Um, There's actually a a series later on called Acts of Vengeance, but really they're all sort of these characters who, in different forms, are out taking vengeance in the world, right? Mm -hmm. And in, in very different ways. But, so yeah, I, I liked this story. I thought it was interesting. Uh, the, the art was really good. Yeah. It was entertaining, uh, fast-paced. I think these were, these were, in terms of just pure comic fun, these were some of the best issues of the, of the batch. Yeah, I would definitely agree. And, and know, knowing now a little bit more, I like, I've actually been rather impressed with the spider-man cameos that we've seen so far i feel like that's Mm -hmm. a nice that ends up being a nice 
kind of guest star in the books. The The stories seem to be very well done. The artwork seems to be really good as well. And it just, mm-hmm. those, those issues have not been bad to this point. And, and I like, I like that. Yep. Um, Spider-Man's maybe, always a good addition to almost yeah, everything, right? Yeah. It's, it's, yeah. He doesn't like Spider-Man. Exactly. So. Moving on to issue 34, we have Frenchie that takes center stage uh, seeking revenge from the killer Shrike, who we saw way back in the in the last set of books, uh, for causing his crash and and his broken legs that he ended up spending like a year plus uh, trying to work back uh, healthy from. Uh, Shrike is in Atlantic City, shaking down casinos for cash. Good good work, I guess, if you can get it. He decides he wants the Palantine, a not-yet-opened casino owned by Alvin Ramis. Frenchie catches wind that he's going to attack the Palantine the very next night and decides to head there with an assortment of equipment that he's been amassing over the last year in an effort to try and take him down. Uh, Moon Knight go- ends up going over to Frenchie's place when he doesn't answer because he wants his pilot to go out and and patrol in new york city finds this information and all this stuff on the on the iron shrike or the killer shrike excuse me and and is like oh we i need to go stop i need to go stop this or something tells marlene and marlene says i'm not staying home for this so marlene goes with when they meet up at the palatine frenchie asks moon knight to stay out of the fight with shrike Frenchie ends up winning this fight after injecting Shrike with some epileptic medication, which causes Shrike to lose control of his flying ability, and he just ends up sticking to the ceiling. It was okay. It was, I, I I liked that Frenchie got to take center stage in this one. It was it was kind of nice, and and the callback to the the original um, the the original time we saw Killer Shrike and and that whole crash and. You know, it was definitely believable that that uh, that you would have a character that was like, I need to go out and and get this guy for 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 causing so much so many problems in my life. Well, and Frenchie increasingly in these, as we've seen Spectre try to be more reserved, you actually see both Frenchie and Marlene take on almost like the the more vicious side of things where they're like these people deserve this you know so mm-hmm. neither of them is particularly soft on crime and so there are times when you don't realize just how much of a badass Frenchie really can be we also find out he hates his nickname and that it's Mark <laughs> Spector's fault that he's been saddled with this name for uh-huh. who knows how many decades so um and that eventually will we'll take care of that. But I think this one was also absurd in some ways. And sometimes you just need that, like a palate cleanser. You know, the fact that essentially the police are taking Killer Shrike away, strapped up with these things, cords. He's like a balloon that they're walking out to the paddy wagon yeah. or something. Yeah, yeah it um, looked like Thanksgiving Day Parade or something. Yeah, exactly, exactly. You've got so, the Killer Shrike at the top of the, the ropes. This is not a plot that really needs to be analyzed but in terms of giving Frenchie that agency to go in have his story 
Uh, we also see a little bit more um, the fact that Frenchie and and Chloe have actually the the cook from back in the day have been a thing for quite a long time now. They've been in a relationship, I think, for most of this this series. So yeah. he's got a little bit of a life outside of of just helping Spectre as well, which is which is nice. So that though would be probably uh, that would be thirty four. Fun stuff. Good to see Shrike get his uh, get his due. But on we go. So now we're back in another big one. This is 35 to 38. Four issues. Uh, we've got a new writer, Terry Cavanaugh, actually takes over the writing chores. And he's starting out with a four-part story. We'll bring back the Knights of the Moon, who now have a new leader named Princess Nephthys. They burn down Spectre's mansion. They steal the head of Khonshu. Spectre tracks him down with the aid of the Punisher. Uh, finds that his brother Randall has actually been alive all along and is working with Princess Nephthys, um, who used to be a CIA agent until she decided to go out on her own. The man he'd actually fought and accidentally killed years ago after the nurse murders was a double created by Nephthys to allow Randall Spectre to disappear after being presumed dead. Uh, they get away from that initial encounter while the Punisher and Moon Knight fight because Punisher wants to just kill everyone and Moon Knight's like, no, that's my brother, you can't just go murdering him. Dozens of nurses are then murdered by Spectre, who's now taking sort of on the same path. He's, he's been given the same drugs as his double from before and now has the same obsessions. So tons of people die. R Randall Spectre, not Mark Spectre. <laughs> yes. yes, that's true. Yes. It is. Got to specify at this point. Yeah. So the brother... Going around murdering all sorts of nurses, following his old M.O., he takes on the name of Shadow Knight, and we end up eventually, after a number of little battles, having a final fight where Spectre manages to defeat him and essentially shatter his previously unbreakable body because as part of the treatments he was given by the princess, his skin was no longer, like, breakable at all, but somehow um, Spectre was able to use one of his darts to just kind of get in there a little bit and then he shattered him. So adamantium did the job. So what do you got for me? I Knights of the Moon plus Punisher in these just I don't know. I did not really this felt soap opera esque, this this story. It felt like something literally out of uh, you know, something I'd see on a soap opera, a random person coming back that you thought was dead that really wasn't, and suddenly he's then says, like, oh, I could never kill nurses, and then, it, you know, two books later he's killing nurses and all this, and it just... I don't know. It, it, like, it started off interesting, the whole idea of this, like, them basically blowing up mo part of the, the mansion, like... Uh, you know, Frenchie apparently was there when it when this blow up happens, and he loses the ability to walk again, which is mind blowing as well. There's just just I don't know. <laughs> just 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 wait. You're, okay. We're not done with that yet. He's. <laughs> I I will say that of all like the guest stars or like the crossover characters that we've seen i have not really enjoyed seeing the punisher 
with Moon Knight. I, I, I've got an opinion on that. I think one of the reasons why we like Spider-Man coming into a Moon Knight book is that Moon Knight is a character who is sort of dark enough anyway that Spider-Man is someone who plays sort of on his better nature and makes for more interesting stories. Punisher is someone who kind of is the other direction. You know, what What do you get when you have the Punisher and a hundred Knights of the Moon? You have the Punisher and a hundred dead Knights of the Moon. That's <laughs> right, he, right, right. Yeah. He, he murdered everybody, basically. Um, but these were these were interesting. I actually... They were over the top, but this is actually pure comic book in a lot of ways. And the the fact that everybody's getting murdered by the Punisher makes it 90s comic book. But the brother coming back from the dead, the fact that you've got a, a thoroughly modern scientist who, because she's a female character, for some reason decides to dress up like Cleopatra for the mm-hmm. entirety of the thing for no particularly good reason. Uh, it's... It's entirely just batty, the whole thing. But it's pretty entertaining. Uh, there was a lot going on. We obviously have not seen the end of Shadow Knight because Spectre was lied to somehow at the very end there in the morgue when he identified the body. So we'll see more on that. Frenchie again getting injured really is it's just it's getting a little ridiculous at this point. And it's not the last time, like I say. So he gets better. I, I just, I just could just not wait believe. Like we even just had the story where he basically just finally puts to bed the whole yep. last time that it happened, and then like yep. immediately goes and ha- goes. gets that happens again. We did see like because the mansion basically got blown up that they moved to where Mark Spector is living and they like converted a whole city block into like Spector headquarters slash living quarters slash the shadow keep. It's called a, that's, it's got a name. That's what huh? it's called. The, yeah, okay. It's the shadow keep. So, okay. Yeah, so, so is it, is that something that stays the same going forward for a little while? Nothing little stays while? the same. This is moon night. Okay. What a, okay. What are you talking about? Have you learned nothing in these have, in these podcasts? Apparent, apparently not. Apparently <laughs> not. Okay. But but for now it's there, so we okay. will see it again. They'll be joining. They'll be hanging out there occasionally for a while, um, and then you'll also see we'll, we'll see them in the next issue, and they might have been in this one a little bit about the shadow cabinet as well. And the shadow cabinet yes. meets the shadow keep, and they talk about stuff. So it's his little group of of helpers and lackeys. So. That kind of leads into 39 and 40, our last two books, where we get another big guest star, because Dr. Doom evidently just shows up in the waiting room outside Mark Spector's office and waits for two hours for him to come back before finally leaving a message. I cannot imagine Dr. Doom sitting in anybody's like waiting room for two hours. That That is the most outrageous part of this entire book. But he wants to speak to Spector. He's not there. Eventually he says, well, have him come to my party at the embassy and we can talk then. Spectre goes to the party. Uh, the party is attacked by a group called the Sensor Squad. And he changes into Moon Knight gear, helps Doom defeat them. Uh, Doom then asks Spectre, uh, after they've defeated the, the 
the, the censor squad, to visit with him, and he wants him to return something that his company came into possession of when they took over some land that is on the border of Latvia. Spectre then refuses for not really any particularly good reason. He's just like, I'm not going to help you. Doom sends in the censor squad, which we now find out he actually has assembled, and had attack his own party for reasons that are ill-defined. <laughs> but no one knows the mind of Doom, so you can't question these things. But they raid Spectre's offices. When they do so, Moon Knight uh, comes in, gets, gets a notification something's happening, fights him, defeats him. Eventually, he then goes to Reed Richards, who gives him the tech aid he needs to be able to use some weird eyeball that's designed by Doom to break into Doom's embassy. Doom, of course, catches him because Doom knows all. And he then learns that the item that Von Doom wants back is a locket that was previously owned by his mother and has been lost to him. It's got like a picture of his father in it. So then... They don't actually fight or anything. They, he kind of gets through all the things and Doom's like, you should really stop burning up my house and just give me back my mom's locket. And Spectre said, yeah, that sounds fair. And he gives him the locket and he walks out. Doom does say that he would offer his medical expertise for the locket. And Spectre says, nah, I don't need that. But then the last page, when we get back to it, shows him standing in front of Frenchie. Frenchie's in his fancy wheelchair. And he's taken off the armor, and it looks like his body is literally just sort of rotting away. And he's like, maybe I should have taken Doom up on his offer. And that's where 40 leaves us. You, you did say that by the end of issue 40 that he was going to look pretty pretty bad off. And I was not expecting the <laughs> that as, as, the, uh, yeah. as, yeah, how, as to how it happened, but... So, that is, though, where we end off. Um, most of the main storylines are closed down, but Mark Spector is essentially dying, and we don't know why. Interesting note. We're not going to know why for a while either, because even though he's dying, he now spends three or four issues in a massive line-wide crossover where we don't hear anything about this. So Really? The next... The next few issues, if if you open them and go, whatever happened to him being sick, we'll find out in like, I don't know, 45 or something like that. So just, this. just don't worry about it. All right. The, uh, continuity cannot be bothered with when there's a crossover going on in the 90s. So sure. such is the way of it. Anyway, so that's our, that's our stack. So what did you think, sir? It... I mean, I it's it started off well, and like I think it ended pretty solidly as well. Um, that Scarlet, that Scarlet arc, it just feels to me like I don't know that I would have wanted to be subscribed to getting these issues every month and have that be the issue that I got. Going back and rereading a lot of these books, which. You know, some of them I bought at the time and then others I filled in later when I came back to collecting. They really they really are not a great example of the comic form, right? We had we had tremendous stuff back in the early eighties. We're gonna have great stuff again. So all I can all I can say to you is just 
hold out until 2006 because Houston and Finch are just going to blow you away. But we've got to get there. So this week, sketchy. Next week, sketchy, although the end of the last few issues of Moon Knight have some pretty spectacular art, like 55 to 60. And then we've got some fill-in issues and the like. And then we'll hit 2006 and everything will be better. So I know I noticed while I was reading specifically these issues, I, I feel like it happened a lot. There was like a colored circle around certain text bubbles. And I actually sure. have an example of one in, in our notes here so you can see what I'm talking about. What is what does that mean, and when is that used? Is this am am I supposed to know what that means? That's entirely just a flourish by the letterer that is used to sort of make that a little bit more prominent. Okay. So what we're starting to see now is, as we move through the '90s, you're going to get a lot more um, distinctive in some ways lettering styles and then also we'll move into digital lettering more and more as we go along if you go back and look at like some of the the thor comics from the early 80s with there's a guy named john workman who's doing stuff some of this the the effects and things like that were just spectacular really what i would say is that the fact you're only noticing this when we're like 100 issues into our reading means that most of the lettering we've been seeing so far has been relatively traditional in moon knight and that might change as we move along here. Uh, but that is, there's nothing particular about that except that it's just a way of, of emphasizing that text bubble. Okay. And so you'll see that as you go along. Letterers, as we move into the late 90s, into the 2000s and onward, start to actually have more defined styles so that, you know, I can sometimes read a book. And in fact, generally with a lot of letters I know well, I can read a book and I'll know who lettered it without actually having to go and check the credits. You know, because yeah. they've got distinctive ways they do their sound effects. They've got specific ways that they do some of their like crashes and stuff like that. And then also just the way that they letter the book uh, is distinctive. So lettering is, you know, an art just like any other part of the book. And really we should potentially do a we haven't talked much about the letterers or the the colorists um just for time reasons as much as anything um but that would be something we could do an episode just talking about for instance christy shield has been a massive part of the look and feel of moon knight because she has been our colorist almost since the very beginning and i think has probably had a significant impact even on sort of some of the ways that that Sienkiewicz did his did his art and his coloring because um, she's a very very talented colorist and a big part of the team. But that is definitely something. Yeah, the, the colorist and the letterer have their own styles as well. Sometimes yeah. they just try different things. I I did note that we did we did get an upgrade to the truncheon during these books. It's now yep. adamantium. Uh, and the truncheon itself was used as not just uh you know like a baton but like an actual like bow martial bow arts bow mm -hmm. staff as well as uh it seemed to have some sort of grappling hook it uh, also has a grappling hook yes 
as well that I don't recall seeing that uh, was used in a couple different. He used to have occasions. a grappling hook, but it was it was different. Okay, he didn't have it as part of the truncheon. So yes. yeah, um, Cons- consolidating the, the the toys, I guess. Yep. And then I think you mentioned there's the the new flying machine, uh, the Angel Wing, as well as a new uh, a new copter or two during this as well. So there's been a few of those upgrades as well. Yeah. Just as far as new equipment and new toys, uh, yep. th- those were those were fun to see I, through, throughout these books as well. So I was going to say, I liked 22 to 24. I thought it was a good follow-up to the trial of Mark Spector and kind of finalized that story, uh, which I think was pretty well done. I liked the Spider-Man guesting in 32 and 33. Uh story was interesting the the art was good so i think it was worth it and then 34 as as ridiculous as that episode that issue kind of was seeing frenchy get his moment i i think was was worth it and is Mm -hmm. if you if you can find it and and can see it i think it i think it's worth a read yep i will i will go out on a limb and say that in actual fact if you don't read any of these, it's not going to hurt your ability to enjoy Moon Knight as a character or the Moon Knight show or anything like that. There's right. no reason to go out and search these out. But if you've got them around, yeah, I think that I liked the story in 22 to 24. I thought that the Spider-Man Hobgoblin story was good. Um, anytime a guest character or a, a supporting character gets their own sort of time to have their own story, I like that. So, so I also enjoyed the Frenchie one. I'm looking forward to Charlie Charlie Houston and David Finch. That's 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 what's keeping me going right now, people. You can you can see my pain biding our time until we get to better. If any of you, if these are your favorite Moon Knights, go ahead and go ahead and let me know. I apologize, but uh, but yeah, I think they there's a there's a good reason that we don't have reprint collections of these. So. Anyway, outside of that, um, here's the main other thing I would like to note is you've been to a comic store recently. My, I, my master plan is working. Yes. Tell me about this. So I, uh, I went to, I've been over the last few weeks going, trying to find uh, Moon Knight comics. Specifically, I think I'm looking for collected works the the books that have several issues in them uh just to kind of instead of reading them through an app or 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 like um through marvel unlimited or or whatever i'd kind of would like to get the a physical book and so i've been looking for them i've tried uh you know barnes and noble conventional bookstores nothing and I, I've gone to, I went to a comic book store yesterday and tried to find some, and I found a bunch of like individual books. Uh, in fact, like I was about to read issue 38 yesterday. I actually sound, found issue 38 in a stack. Um, but like it was, it was difficult because like there was a lot of cover, like they were all packaged, and, you know, with, with mm-hmm. in plastic with the with the board back and that sort of thing and they were you know anywhere from 
like ten dollars to over a hundred dollars depending on the issue there were some what appeared to be variant covers on some of them that i couldn't really tell what volume they were from and the the people in the store felt like they were they knew what they were doing they had their thing they were doing their thing and they didn't feel approachable to for me to ask questions like what is this book that i'm looking at right here uh so it was it's been tough i i i, I didn't necessarily want to resort to just ordering something off amazon but as of yep. right now that's kind of where i might be at so finding the right comic store is difficult and that is one thing i would always note is you know there are a lot of different stores out there with sort of different niches depending on what you're looking for and so if you're looking for the the classic you know simpsons comic book guy comic store that is is sort of your standard gatekeeper store that if you're not old and white and know most of the history of marvel and dc you'll be run out of it you can still find that if you're looking for more more sort of inclusive places that you're able to go in and look around and people are actually there looking to help you and and find out ways to get new people into books you can find those really it's just a matter of wandering around and looking for a store that feels like home right i had to do this with game stores too when i when I, we were starting to play magic the gathering my son and i went to a few places and there were very different vibes depending on where you went and he was 10 years old at the time we eventually found a place that he could enjoy and I could enjoy and we sat down and now it's like a cheers bar for us only with games, right? Everybody knows us. Um, Very nice. And that's kind of what I'd recommend. So the, but it's great that you're going out and looking. The problem also right now is that it's tough for stores because there's so many comics out there. So if you want one, your best bet really is to go into a store, go up and, and, Find a way to interrupt the people at the counter if they're busy talking about whatever geeky things they're talking about and just see if they can order you something. Because probably right now with the way things are going, if they have Moon Knight books, there's a good chance they're going to be sold out, the trade paperbacks, right? And so just going in and, and saying, hey, I want this one, and then they can order it in for you. Um, or if you have to resort to going out and you know, buying it online, head to an indie bound or something like that. See if you can pick it up somewhere other than Amazon. But the uh, the idea that you have of getting collected editions, I think, is spectacular. Because you know, I'm a I'm a a traditional pamphlet copy comic book guy because I always have been, and I'm used to them, and it's what I do. But even when I'm reading with my kids, you know, if we've got something that I want to read with them they will ask do you have the trade paperback of this or can I read this on Marvel Unlimited instead of reading my physical copies just because of the process of taking them out of the plastic putting them back in the plastic and and the general reading experience of it so but even outside the fact that Moon Knight books are increasingly expensive I think just for somebody who's not already invested in the the floppy comic book your best bet is just to start buying some collected editions and put them on a bookshelf and they'll look nice 
and they're really easy to read and, and enjoy. So that would be that would be an excellent plan. And as you noted, I'm actually wearing a Moon Knight shirt. So I actually I'm got so a jealous. I got a Moon Knight shirt before I got a, an actual <laughs> physical copy of any Moon Knight. And it, and I have uh, my good friend Ben to thank for this. He uh, he purchased he found it online and purchased tri- purchased it for me and had it sent to my house. And I got it on Friday. And so. Today I am wearing it as we're recording this episode, so a hat tip to you, Ben, for for that. I much much appreciate it, and you've made my co-host jealous. So. Uh, absolutely, like absolutely, that's great. So, uh, but yeah, so this is uh, this is where we're at. I think we've finished off most of our stuff for this one. This has been a lot of fun. Um, next week, we continue and finish up Mark Spector Moon Knight. Heading from number 41 up through number 60, as well as delving into Moon Knight Special Edition number one, which is a crossover with Shang-Chi. Sounds good. We want to thank you for joining us. As always, we'd love for you to stick with us as we continue our journey through the story of Moon Knight. Recommend you subscribe to the podcast on your podcast player of choice, where you will get each episode as soon as it's released, usually on on Tuesday mornings. Uh, If you're already subscribed, please consider leaving us a review. Uh, That'll help others find the podcast. You can send us questions or feedback on the show via email at questions at phasesofthemoonnight.com. And for updates on the show, as well as other announcements or to interact with us on social media, follow the show on Twitter. We are at Phases of MK. Uh, Until next week, Dan, I'm I'm looking forward to seeing how this set of books ends up wrapping up because I wasn't real much of a fan of of volume two so i'm very curious to see how this ends there you go well if nothing else they're going to be beautiful because the final books being drawn by stephen platt are definitely a uh, a feast for the eyes so we've got that going for us all right have Until a good next one. time